Hi, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And today, it is our distinct pleasure to welcome the erudite educator, the master of the mosh pit, the metalcore maven, the dashing drummer, the Seiko savant, the champion in chinos, the pristine pug dad. We won't curry any favor with this intro. Here's Shane Curry. That's it? That's all you... Uh, that was all right. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I am wearing a yeah. paper right now, and I am moshing, so that works. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where are you from? Uh, I was born in Manhattan, like on Manhattan Island proper, but uh, I grew up in um, Queens, and I moved out further out onto Long Island when I was about 11 or 12, and I've been out here ever since. Oh, man. Yeah. How old are you, Shane? Uh, I just turned 37 this past summer. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so getting up there, you know. I'm, I just turned 39, like oh, a week ago. Go. So, right. yeah, in the same sphere, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah what can you do? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, life life has a way of uh, moving forward. So. Yeah, I've, I've, I don't mind it. I mean, sometimes it freaks you out, but what can you can't stop it. So, got to embrace it. So, uh, so, so Shane, we're, we're going to ask what your, uh, wearing to for our new ensemble investigation. All right. Well, uh, today was Sunday, so I just uh, ran a few errands this morning. So um, I have on some brown cords that are polo, thrifted, of course. Nice. Um, wearing one of those Viella um, wool cotton um, button ups, just Ooh, old yeah. land end, um, and some just some white vans. It was just an easy day. So and uh, clean yeah very, very clean very uh you know yeah. seasonally appropriate yes it's it's actually cold here today it's like in the 30s so um yeah and i have a the new um seiko the new seiko rolling blazers watch on that's a new that's a new Ooh. guy so i'm wearing that and that is a nice one yeah that yeah i got nice the blue one. dial it's really cool i like it uh, are you kind of a, a watch connoisseur um in in a way, yes. In a, in a in a bigger way, no. I'm purely driven by aesthetics. I know a little okay. bit about them here and there. Um, my good friend Ed, who I used to play music with, we're still good friends. He works for um, Warren and Wound, so him and I get to like, you know, geek out about watches when we hang out and stuff like that. So I know more than I probably, um, you know, what's the word? I'm not like an expert, but I know enough. I guess is a hagiographer. Yeah, I'm more of like a, just a fan, you know. I'm not like gotcha, a move. Gotcha. I'm not a movement guy. I'm not any. I'm not like a luxury guy. If I see it, I like it. I like uh, you know smaller watches, forty millimeters, like my Max. It's just aesthetics. I just like it. Solid, uh, solid. Man. I as a watch wearer every single day of my life, like I appreciate the people, the fact that people still wear watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I used to I used to just wear them pretty much like on the weekends, but I'm trying to wear one every day just because. Uh, yeah. I have, I actually sold a bunch. I probably have about six or seven now. I used to have like a dozen, nothing crazy, but um, yeah, I like to wear them every day. And now that I do, I just, I'm used to it, you know? Yeah. I actually use it to tell the time, you know, crazy. Oh, totally, totally. I can't go without, I mean, do you find it useful? Do you find it useful at work? I do actually. I wear, I wear just an old um, Timex I thrifted. Uh, it's quartz. So it's really light. Um, I don't care if it gets beat up and I do wear it to work. And if we're doing, you know, um, we're doing like stuff with the kids, like um, we have them on the playground. Or we're doing like recess stuff. We got to keep track of the time, so it's better than taking your phone out, taking your eyes off the kids. So yeah, it actually 
became useful the more I wore it, which <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you get to avoid the like, Mr. Curry, does your phone have YouTube on it? Can I use it? Yes, there are a few kids that are very, I mean, it's amazing because uh, they're they're very young, but they know what phones are. They know what iPads are. <laughs> so I just, one kid calls it, um, he says, oh, your timer, that's your timer. And he points oh, to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, yep, that's my timer. That's solid, uh, man. Yeah. Solid. Uh, dude, Shane, so you were born in Manhattan, grew yep. up for a while in Queens mm-hmm. and moved to Long Island. Like, uh, I lived in Brooklyn for a few years, um, and it, like 2011, 2014, mm-hmm. and and having gone back since then, I've noticed a whole lot of changes in the city. But from your perspective, as someone that's kind of been around the city for mm-hmm. their entire life, like what are the what are the crazy changes that you've kind of seen the city go through? Um, I think the city itself. I mean. Again, I I started going to the city when I was maybe 14, 15 from the island to see bands. Right, right. Uh, you know, Roseanne Ballroom, Irving Plaza, all those places. Um, so back then, all I was all I cared about was getting on the train, seeing the band going home. As I got older and I started getting into clothing and I would, you know, look up uh, what retail stores are in the city, stuff like that. That's the biggest thing I see in terms of um I think retail things close and open so quickly sometimes. Right, right. Um, up until this day, I mean, stores either, either either move locations or just close because the city is expensive. I would say just things like that. Just just retail moves so quickly. Um, there are parts of the city that still feel like old New York if you want to go in and just like walk around a neighborhood. But the broader picture is that you know it's Manhattan. It moves so fast that it's sometimes it's 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 hard to notice, but if you take a second and look, you're like, oh, wow, I used to go to this venue. I used to go to this store and you blink and they're gone. Right. Right. It's such a small moment in time, even though when you're younger, it's like, oh, this place will be here forever, but it's definitely not. Right. Have you noticed that, that like, you know, since 2020 it's accelerated at all, or is it just kind of like New York has always been? Um, I mean, when, when all that was going on, uh, a couple of years ago, I, you know, spring 2020 up until about that fall, I didn't go into the city just because we're really just because I had no need to. And and also everything was closed pretty much. But right. when I went in, it was like maybe November 2020. Um, ironically, because a store I liked was closing and I was going to get some stuff for cheap. <laughs> what store um, was that? Uh, Kamakura, the shirt. Oh, company. yeah. Damn, yeah. They closed. They were closing. They were blowing out their shirts for like 40, 50 bucks a piece. Holy shit. So I went in specifically for that, and it was it was pretty uh, empty then. That was you know seven months after it all started. Right. Um. So it it it's 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 Manhattan. It it bounced back. It it will always be there. But there there's definitely some things even a couple of years ago that are are gone, and right. or just moved. You know, it's expensive things like that. So yeah, diff- finding a different neighborhood that you can actually afford as a mm-hmm. business, uh, those kind of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm well versed in in that kind of the that kind of landscape in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, but I, I love it. I mean, I love the city. I'm, I'm never gonna not love it. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, like, yeah. Not, maybe because I don't live there. If I think if I lived there, maybe I wouldn't. But <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, it, so we're gonna get into music later on. Just sure. FYI. However, I want to know your favorite venue that you used to go to as a kid. 
um, in the city or just in general? Uh, let's do in the city and then also uh, Long Island. I think in the city, just because it was the first, the first big one I went to was Roseanne Ballroom. That was, you know, heading on the train. I was 14, 15 with my, my brother, a couple of friends. Uh, it was within walking distance of Penn. And it was the first time seeing bands that I found myself in like a big setting. I think it capped at like 3,000 people, 2,500 people. Right. Yeah. It, it's pretty, pretty solid. Like, uh, yeah. You know, mid sized venue. That was the venue. I mean, my the first time I went there, it was I saw a dashboard. Conf- this was the weirdest show. Ready? <laughs> oh shit! Da- dashboard confessional opened. Okay. Snapcase. I want to say face to face in H two O. I forget who played when. Oh my but, god! Yeah, and then yeah. I went back. Yeah, it was just. What uh? Was, what year was that? Do you remember? I want to say that was. Holy moly! I graduated high school in two thousand three. That might have been two. 2000- thousand one or two so, so okay. i think Super army romance had just come out so that's why he was opening right, or I think right. 2001 or two <laughs> damn probably that's, two that's a great show very reminiscent of like the music or the underground music scene at that point where everybody everybody else. yeah because everyone you know everyone supported each other and it was like oh you know just hop on this tour you know get your name out but i saw so many great shows there and then from there you know irving plaza which is still around right um the Knitting Factory was great. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It was I cool because it was two, they had they had smaller shows downstairs and then like the main uh, national tours would play upstairs in the bigger room. So, I mean, I saw like, you know, like, I mean, Catch-22 headlined over Taking Back Sunday there. Like, so these crazy times back then. Right, totally, totally. But I would say overall, I think Roseland, just because it was the first big experience with, with bands that I found myself. You know, not counting like concerts you would go to when you're a kid, like with your parents. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, on the island, that's tough because you probably know Long Island, like venues come and go like every two minutes. Totally, totally. But there was a place called the Downtown in a town called Farmingdale, which is like ten minutes from me. That had every every tour you could think of from like 2000 to maybe 2006 came through the Downtown. I think like Unearth shot a video there. Like so many bands used it for videos. <laughs> and now, now it's some like wing, like chicken place now. But <laughs> it's just, because of yeah. course it is. Yes, but I think the downtown was the big Long Island one, and it was also a a, a smaller. It was just a VFW in a town called um, I think it was in Ronkonkoma, a town called Ronkonkoma. This place called the Hungarian Hall, which I mean, I know we're doing music later, so I'll save it for later. But that was the first time where bands I was in, I first played like a VFW was this place. And that was massive tours went through this, this little VFW. It was just so interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Really cool. I missed it, but yeah. You know, yeah. Times change. Unfortunately. That's it. That's it. (laughs) What can you do? So I was going to ask you, uh, to get us, (laughs) to get us back on track. (laughs) Uh, what do you do? What do you do for work? Um, up until last summer, I actually was um, a manager for a chain of supermarkets on the Long Island that that actually got bought out. And now they're gone. Um, I did that for a while. Uh, I really liked it, but it was getting to the point where I just wasn't 
a big fan of the scheduling, just logistics, stuff like that. And I actually lived down the street from a school for kids with um, special needs, you know, things like that. And I was like, you know what? I think I'd be good at that. And I just changed gears. And now I work with kids with um, special needs, like speech, speech issues, like um, autism. And I've been doing that for a year and a half now. I love it. They're about ages like two to five in that range. Um, and I work with great people and I live on the same block as my job. So I have no commute. Oh, wow. Whoa. See, that's like, that's like worth a million dollars. That's the thing. I mean, um, my, my old job, there was a lot of, you know, oh, can you go to this store instead of this store today? They need more help than, than this store. So I'd be like going around all these different towns. And this is like, oh, it's, uh, I have work at, you know, eight, I can leave the house at seven fifty nine. <laughs> you know Beautiful. i have a school schedule i have weekends off and and i actually like some most days i look forward to it um, that's really cool man and i'm not saying like look at me but i i jumped right in and i it's i'm i know i'm good at it like i'm not gonna say hey i'm the best but i mean i just jumped in and i really love it and uh i'm gonna explore more more levels of uh, teaching as i go on but it's really great i love it and the kids are you know, some days are better than others, but but they're they're really great, and it's it's nice to look forward to going to work, um, at least some of the days, <laughs> yeah. which is nice. I work with there great are, people. I love it. Yeah, there are plenty of menswear goons that are in education. I think mm-hmm. part of it is part of it is that there still is kind of a dress code, but then I think too people who find their way to education are not maybe half of them are in a non-traditional path, right? Mm -hmm. They're just figuring their way out in their career and they, they just, they just find a school and they start working in a school. And so Mm -hmm. I was going to ask, you know, you don't have to dress, dress up for school really. Mm -hmm. And two to five year olds are respecting adults because they're taller. Uh, (laughs) But so do you I mean do you go to work dressed up just because you like it because you for me it's different because I sort of am trying to like I don't know it's not like show the kids who's boss but it's like here I am an adult right yeah I get that um I I do I do in terms like sort of like today if it's if it's um obviously weather it's a weather thing first of all but like you know, I did I did some stuff. I worked over the summer because there's there's summer there's summer classes in summer school, and um, you know I was wearing like shorts and like a polo shirt because it was so hot. But regularly, yeah, I'll do I'll I have like I have like work designated clothes because we do art and stuff like that. Things can get messy, so I'll have um, I have a few pairs of chinos, some pairs of cords, and just some oxfords. I just kind of mix and match. Um, I try to at least wear a, an Oxford and, uh, you know, like chinos or, or cords every day. And I'll just do um, white vans or I'll do like, um, not boat shoes, sort of like a, sort of like a camp mock. Yeah. Totally mm-hmm. right, totally. Yeah. And it's funny because I do get people go, oh, you look so, you know, what's the occasion, stuff like that. And they're just poking fun. But I, for me, I feel better. It sounds funny, but even like mentally, I feel better. No, it's real. It's very you know, powerful. If I just put an Oxford on, tuck it in, and everything is comfortable. Like everything I'm wearing is it's secondhand stuff. Like everything is 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 broken in. Broken and it's in, worn. yeah. 
So if a kid gets paint on my shirt or whatever, it's like, whatever, I'll just throw it out. <laughs> or maybe I'll just wash it and wear it. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I'll wear I'll wear something like something like that. Like someone have somewhat of a uniform. Also, too, so I don't have to think about it much in the morning. Like I'll blue Oxford, brown chinos, uh, white vans, and I wear um like my lanyard. And sometimes I'll throw in like a like a quilted vest because just so I have some pockets. Mm-hmm. And that's good. You know, or I have like a cotton. You know, I have like a when we did like parent teacher, I was wearing like a cotton um, sport jacket, like something easy, you know, you know, just you look put together, but it wasn't as if you got up at 4 a.m. and started getting ready type of thing. Totally. totally. Yeah. So it's easy. Yeah. And, and if you get pain on an Oxford shirt, you move it from the work clothes to the casual at home clothes. Yeah. To, you know, mow the lawn clothes or give the dogs a bath clothes, maybe something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, for sure. So that's nice. So are you like the best dressed person at the school? That's um, a loaded question, but I think you know what I mean. I think, I think, I mean, it's funny because you might know this being in, in, um, in education, there's, there's not a lot of um, men, especially in, in, in early education that oh, I've yeah. seen. No, I, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to say off the top of my head in, in my building, there might be maybe six or seven guys in the whole building. So I don't want to say I'm best dressed, but I definitely do think I, I probably put a little bit more thought into it. Um, most likely because m- those guys probably aren't into clothes like I am, <laughs> you know, right, right. Which is fair. Everyone looks fine. It's just some people, uh, I mean, we work with young kids. I mean, you're allowed to wear pretty much whatever you want. So I won't name names, but I've seen people in in uh, in Crocs and sweatpants. So what can you do? Oh, but it's yeah. comfort. It's comfort. You're chasing kids on the playground. You're, you're you know things like that. We have a gymnasium. They go to the gym. So you want to be able to move around. Yeah. But yeah, best dressed. That's subjective. But I do get a lot of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, but people do like jokingly and and lovingly will will comment on. Now that it's getting colder, I you know I'll wear uh like a coat and it's like oh you I got like the coat. polo coat. Oh, that's that doesn't go near work. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. But the other day I had this like a like an old duffel coat on. Everyone's like, "Oh, you dress? What do you dress for?" I'm like, well, "I don't know. It's just, it's just to me, it's just a coat." But to them, I guess it looks. I guess because it's different, you don't see it that often. Whatever. But you know what? Forget it. I am best dressed. I'll see <laughs> there we go. There see we go. Yeah. A long winded yes. We're yes, fluffing yes. you up. We're fluffing you up for the next question. I hope no one my job listens to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, even still, I bet you're going to, you know, if they do, they'll they'll get a little bit of... Uh, or Maybe they'll agree. This would be nice. Uh, yeah, dude, we, one thing that Connor and I both kind of noticed in preparation for this uh, episode is you look so fucking comfortable in basically anything you're pictured wearing. Like... Okay. Nothing ever seems contrived. Like, uh, you know, as three clothing people, like, just how do you, you know, how do you manage, like, to to just pull that off? I, th- I mean, I think about this stuff way too much, so I have an answer immediately. Of course. I think it's just, I think it's f- when I found my lane, so to speak, when I found what I liked in terms of clothing, that was it. I, I, it. It's sort of like you arrive, like, oh, this is my clothing journey 
is ending and beginning here because I found what I love. So I'm going to take that and run with it. But I also know myself enough to know that I'm going to stick with this and I'm just going to hone it and kind of perfect it. So right, that's right. when I found this sort of, uh, I don't know, like traditional classic menswear, IV prep type of thing I like. I know myself enough to know that I'm never going to be head to toe in Supreme or something like that. Um, <laughs> which I know people who are, and it's great. Totally, you know? totally. I know people who can weave in and out of that stuff, but I know I wouldn't feel comfortable in that stuff. And it's not me. So I think that's what it is. I think it's knowing myself and knowing what I like. And, and, and that just, what's the word? That just like amplifies the confidence. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know? and, and I think what you meant, uh, said a few minutes ago about having a uniform like mm -hmm. i that is very much how i how i like to feel also and so when you find that uniform you kind of are just like i'm home that's it that's what it was when i first started getting into this stuff and i was like wow this this world of, of this um type of this type of these types of uh items and pieces and stuff i'm like this this is it it just clicked in my head and that was almost a decade ago and i still you know that's just what I like, you know, people, I, I know people, like I said, I know people who like to experiment and like to mess with different, um, you know, cuts and different everything. I love seeing that, but I know that that's not for me. And for I sure. think I did that. It would look like uh, uh, the costume or I'm dressing, you know, I'm like um, cosplaying sort of, I don't like that stuff. That's not me. Right. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the clothes are wearing you versus the opposite. Yeah, like I put something on, it's like, oh, this is, this, it, it sounds funny, but it's about how it feels, you know? I put on like an old Shetland, or you mentioned that polo coat I found, you know, that to me feels like, oh, I was meant to wear this. This is, this, this is, this is for me. I don't have to think twice about it. Some people go shopping, they try things on, they're like, mm, I got to think about it. No, I either like it or I don't. Nothing really grows on me. I kind of know it. It's not like music where you can hear a song and it takes a little bit, a few, a few listens and you're good. It's just like, Oh, this coat, I love it. Or I don't. That's it. Yep. it it's pretty simple, but it might take a, you know, it might take people a while to get to that point. Certainly. Certainly. Is that also why you prefer glasses over contacts as we're all three uh, <laughs> spectacle wares? Um, yes. I mean, one, sticking something in my eye freaks me out. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Dude, I feel you entirely. I don't. I've seen too many gross, scary movies where I don't want eye stuff. I don't want to deal with that. But it's also part of um, your outfit. You can, yeah. you know, a dark. I just changed out my frames the other day. I have like three or four pairs of glasses. Um, mostly, mostly ones I've thrifted the frame and got relensed. So it's not that expensive and three or four pairs that look a little bit different, darker, darker frames, clear frames, like a tortoise shell. Yeah. Like you said, it, it, it's, it's like the top, it's like the last thing you can, you know, add to your outfit, which is nice. For sure. I'm, for sure. I'm not a big accessory person, you know, so besides, you know, a watch. So um, changing your glasses can change your entire look, obviously. So. Yeah, and now I've been wearing them since I since I was seven years old, so they're just part of me. Oh yeah, yeah. same here. <laughs> I, I think I got mine similar. Like I was like eleven or so. Yeah, so it's and, just. Yeah, I, I feel naked without them. That's the thing. When I was a kid, I didn't want to wear them, and then I got to a point. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to never not wear them. Right. Ever not wear them because they just it, I feel funny without them. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since you have a few pairs also, uh, I went through a period last year where I broke literally three pairs in a month. Um, <laughs> I broke the ones that I was wearing. That sounds like exactly like your life. Yeah. That sounds like something so appropriate. What yeah, were you doing? It, it, I, I don't even know. They just fell apart. It's like the, the pair, the backup pair, and then the mm-hmm. second backup pair all in a month. And I'm like, all right, I, I have to remedy this situation. <laughs> Yeah, I try to keep I I'm I've gotten better with it where I try to keep them in their cases and like I put them away because if I leave them on a table or something like that, yeah, they'll most likely something will happen to them. I actually had a I actually I haven't broken a pair in a while, but I had like a thin wire pair that just got I don't know. They were just really they were again they were they were secondhand and I got them relensed. Um but I go for like the thicker like a little thicker frame yeah. and I just got to be careful with them. But okay. things happen. What can you do? You know, once once in a while, your dog gets a hold of a pair. And, uh, you know. Not yet. Not okay. yet. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Not I've had yet. that experience before. Not yet. We'll see. That's funny. So, were you were you interested in clothing before thrifting, or thrifting before clothing? Did they come together? I mean, um, I think it stemmed. The short answer is yes. I think it stemmed from. Again, a lot of it goes back to music. Being a kid, you know, seeing seeing bands I liked, and I was like, "Oh, they look cool." It sounds so simple and so silly, but I'm like, "Oh, seeing a music video, I'm like, oh, that band looks cool." You know, I grew up uh, obviously in the '90s, and I came up with the resurgence of punk, where like Rancid and Green Day and all those bands were mainstream. So I'd see like you know Green Day wearing like you know chain wallets and like cool T-shirts. I'm like, oh yeah. They look cool. I want to wear those things. Right. So it, stemmed, it just stemmed from that. It stemmed from music. It stemmed from movies to this day, movies and, and things like that. I take a lot of um, uh, of my style points and, and my viewpoints from movies I love. And it's, it's I don't want to say I've only been influenced by those two things, but those are the two main things I can think of where, where, that would be it because I was, I was never the person who was like, you know, uh, looking at like fashion magazines or books or like, I know people who love to watch like the runway shows. I'm like, that's not, that's not for me. I think it's cool. That's not, I think it's cool. It's interesting, but it was definitely like pop culture, music, movies, television. Um, you see people now who, who will repost like the, uh, the nineties, um, film preview, uh, film premiere pictures and stuff like that. Which I think is interesting. Yeah, it, it's all cyclical in a in a yeah. Way, yeah, very yeah. interesting way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we know that you do uh, something called Al Fargo's Marketplace. Oh yeah. Um, hey, how did you get started with that? Who's Al Fargo? Um, that is a great question, and I feel like I should know that, but I don't. <laughs> and I've done so many now, where I should ask the guys who started it who Al Fargo is, but right. I don't know. Maybe I will. The next one is the tenth one we're doing, so it's an occasion. Oh, awesome. Maybe I'll maybe I'll finally ask. Yeah, mm-hmm. where where's the next one at? Um, they are all in New York City, um, okay. ninety one East Third Street. Um, I have a date, but they didn't announce it yet, so I don't know if I can say it. Um, okay. but it's in December. It's it's going to be around the holidays. Um, cool. but it started. It honestly started because one of the one of the guys who 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 founded it. Um, Elias, he 
he DM me on Instagram. We followed each other for a bit. He's he's a clothing guy. And he just starts, he was seeing the things I would put in my Instagram stories, you know, things I thrifted. Right. And he was like, man, would you be interested in, in doing uh, like a pop-up? We see, I see you have some, you find some cool stuff, you know, let me know. And I sell on eBay like here and there. I don't, I'm not consistent with it. So I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I would love to do that. So it was just a DM. And then I've been, I've done every one of them since that was last September. So we just did number nine last oh, that's month. Awesome, man. Yeah. And yeah. Number 10 is next month. And it's, it's honestly, man, it's been not just because I get to sell stuff and, you know, you know, make some money here and there. It's just so great to be around like-minded people of, totally. from all walks of life. I mean, it's New York city. It's just a melting pot. Right. Right. You know, it's just wonderful. And um, Stefan, Nick and Elias, the guys who run it are really great. And they just, they keep welcoming me back. And um, like I said, I've done them all. And I'm, as long as they keep asking me back, I'll keep doing them. Um, it's great. And it's, it's gained some traction, you know. Um, now, I'd say the first two or three, we had to get some people in the door. It was a little difficult. But now it's been, I mean, the last two, it's so busy. So busy. Um, it's been really great. Maybe you guys will get there one day. We'll see. It'd be nice. Yeah, that that would be sick, man. I, I'm also, like, I do a lot of markets with the big yeah, I see that, yeah. And, like, it's it's so nice to, like, be face to face with mm-hmm. someone and mm-hmm. see them get visibly excited rather than like posting something on eBay and who, who knows what, you know, the person that buys it is looking for it because yeah, you know, a particular reason, but it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I've had people go, Oh, I'm going to, you know, a lot of couples like, you know, uh, buying things for each other and a lot of, and it's funny because it's advertised as like a menswear garage show, but a ton of women, come and buy stuff which is so cool oh for sure for you sure. know um and it's just been so great to to just meet people that i can now call friends totally. um, it's so nice do and, they do uh, yeah. kind of a revolving cast of vendors or they 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 do and they don't i'm i'm the one seller who's been there every time i think it might be a location thing because i'm not too far away oh gotcha um and i and i have the weekends free so it's pretty easy to schedule it ahead of time um but there has been sell there have been sellers that have been there multiple times um there's only been maybe the first two there were some sellers i haven't seen since maybe they didn't maybe it wasn't their best sale day maybe they just can't make it i don't know what it was right right there's um there's definitely been a few rotating sellers but for the most part i would say there's me and maybe two or three others that have been there multiple times but i'm the only one who's been there every time and uh, it's a point of pride now. I got to keep going. So. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and it's great. And it, again, besides all that great stuff, it's, it's, it's great to know that, you know, I'm obsessed with this stuff and, and it's not just me. It's, right. You know, it's so nice. And on top of the fact that all I do is buy. So once in a while, I got to sell stuff. So. Oh, totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is a, <laughs> where's the money? <laughs> it's like a real life version of the Style Forum Thrift Thread, I would assume. Yes, which I still, I still I'm still in there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I have not been in a while, but I don't really post. I just read it uh, every oh, now and then. Okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm happy to know that it's still going. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So, I was going to ask you, and this mm-hmm. is just sort of a like a whatever question, but what is the number one thrift find for you? I guess going back your whole career, 
Oh, man. Well, there's two. I'm going to try. I, I ramble, so I'm going to apologize in advance. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're rambling, rambling people too. I love it. Well, I would, th- I would, I was, I would thrift in high school because of, like I said, bands I would see when I was coming up, early 2000s. A lot of those bands would wear like little league T-shirts and all that stuff, and I'm like, oh, where'd they get those at the thrift store? But the thrifting I do now that started about eight, nine years ago, maybe ten years ago. So since then, I mean, I have been so lucky where I've found so much great stuff. But uh, th- things that keep coming back to me, because I have had people, especially at Al Fargo, they go, oh, you know, this is all thrifted. This is all secondhand. Like, what's your best thrift find? They want to talk about it. Um, ironically, I have found so much Brunello Cuccinelli, which is great, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why or how, but I have. Um, I came across a Cuccinelli suede vest lined with cashmere. No joke in a bin at a yard in like not a bin a milk crate at a yard sale for a dollar oh my gosh i didn't know what it was at the time i had no clue uh that was a good one um carasini which i'm pretty sure i don't want to be wrong i think is uh only bespoke like i don't think carasini makes ready to wear from what i know um a carasini overcoat i think it was 17 bucks um which again, I think is, I think is bespoke, so you have to go get it made. So that's finding that secondhand is wild. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. It's like, yeah, people just get rid of stuff. I guess they outgrow it. They die. They outgrow it. They pass. It could just be they have the money where they're like, mm, I don't like it anymore. I'll get a new one. It could be that, or even if they know it's worth something, they don't have the time or the patience to sell it. Um. I mean, I've I've found so much Alden, which is great. Um, Shell Cordovan. Uh, I mean, Laura Piana stuff. Cashmere sweaters. I mean, I yeah, can't... you're kind of in the mecca of this type of thing. That's like... the thing. I I feel bad sometimes when I get a DM from someone who's like, "Dude, I can't believe again. Like, you found this. Like, what?" It... How it's me every time. That's me every single <laughs> fucking time. I'm the person he's talking about. It's happened a few times. <laughs> but I, but dude, believe me, if it was reversed, I'd be like, what the God damn it, man. Like, what are you doing to me? You're killing me. Right, right. I get it. I mean, when I first got into it, you mentioned um, the style form thread. Uh, Matt, who, Matt, who yeah. does Lux Swap, who is a fantastic guy, so great, so generous. Oh, totally, totally, man. But he used One to find shit where I'm like, this guy's, I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, so uh, there are people, there are people who you even are envious of. There was. That's a bold statement. But I don't think, I don't think he thrifts much anymore. He's so busy with his store and consignment right. stuff. Yeah. Which, great for him. He's awesome. Um, and also, too, you, this is probably pretty obvious, but the stuff I look for, I know Matt, you thrift, Connor, I know you both thrift. Um, most people, especially around here, aren't looking for the stuff I'm looking for. Right. They're looking for 90s like pop culture stuff, uh, 90s like sports stuff, streetwear, uh, band t-shirts. I, mean, I like that stuff too, but I'm looking for, I call it the grandpa stuff. Like I want that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And the menswear kind of thing always ebbs and flows. Like, Yes. You know, five, six, or maybe not that long, or not that short ago, but like, you know, 2015, 2014, like that was hugely popular and everyone kind of was into that. 
and like things change but yeah you know it the the kind of people that are still into it you're finding stuff that you enjoy and they you know you've got that connection with them yeah you guys just had um zach on i would i would look at his tumblr all the time like wow he finds the most amazing stuff oh totally totally yeah but it was it was you know old tweets like ivy league stuff like very new england and he would find that stuff all the time like man like i gotta start thrifting right right i'm just lucky now that the stuff i look for isn't um what most people look for because the thrifts on on long island are are they're busy all the time oh i could imagine yeah but it's not really people looking for the stuff I'm looking for. So it's kind of goes under the radar a bit. Nice. And it also, it's also what you know, people who maybe someone just started, they don't really know what they're looking for. They're just trying to get a feel for it. Right. Right. So but uh, I'm, I am very lucky. So to, to piggyback on Connor's initial question, mm-hmm. what is your biggest regret of something you did not buy? Oh man, that's tough. Um, not to trigger you. Yeah, no, I, I, dude, I, have, I've got something question. I think about literally almost every day. So that's a great question. Are you asking if it in terms of something I would have kept for myself, or something that if I if I bought, I could have sold it for like a decent amount of money, or both? Probably. Um, yeah, yeah, I would whatever. say either way. Yeah. Um, well, I know for a fact. Um, again, I'm talking about this polo coat. I just I just grabbed um, a thrift that I used to go to years ago. That it's actually it's closed. It's gone. Doesn't exist. It was a small church thrift, which are always the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can literally picture it in my head, the rack, which is so stupid. But uh, a rack with two back to back, one camel hair, one like wool herringbone polo coats. I think they were 40, 50 bucks a piece. And I'm like, 40, 50 dollars. That's crap. I'm not paying that. <laughs> so I left them. And that haunts me every day because they're significantly more money now especially old polo ones i would say those two polo coats and when i was when i first started like you know maybe the first year or two i was thrifting again it's i don't know why this stuff is so clear in my head but it is Dude, I feel like- in a in a small thrift again uh it still exists it's still around uh distinctively remember seeing a brunello cuccinelli um cashmere sweater and it was 20 dollars. i'm like 20 bucks no way and I left it there. So uh, like $20. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right. So those stick out in my head. But I think about all the things that I don't even see that get bought, which is a whole other. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's go a, on a that very back. existential part of uh, yes. being a picker. Yes. But I would say I would say those two. And I have a friend, my friend Gideon, who's great. He He's big into thrifting too, but he really does it more for the, like I said, pop culture stuff, sportswear. He found, I grew up uh, like really obsessed with Green Day and he found a 95 Green Day Insomniac um, tour tee at a store I go to all the time. And I was like, oh, if I had just went that day, I would have found it. Oh man, uh, yeah. But he's, it went to someone who's, you know, he's a good guy. So I'm glad he got it, but. Yeah, totally, totally. Yes, but yeah. And, I mean, and he knows that if he ever wants to get rid of it, it. I'm, you know. I, I DM'd him the same day in here. He already sold it. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm like, I know where you found it. I know what you paid. I'll give you whatever. He's like, it's gone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I used to joke. I used to joke that I would buy things so that other people couldn't have them. And I feel <laughs> like, I feel like that has doomed and damned me like in, in my thrifting pursuits. Cause like, 
I just haven't found really anything at all. And maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason why I was I was like too <laughs> the my thrifting hubris. It's it's hard because you you know it, consistency is a big thing, but a lot of it's timing. I mean, I can think of things that I've definitely walked into a store I go to all the time. And they're literally rolling out a new rack and I just grab it off the new rack. A lot of it's timing. That's a big part of it. Going as often as you can without overdoing it and the timing. If you frequent a store, maybe you go even two, three times a week, you start to learn when they put out new inventory. You start to learn how how the turnover goes uh, and you go based off that. Again, I don't do this full time. I do it for fun. Um, it's nice to make some money off it here and there, but I do it because I enjoy it. It's like, it's a hobby. Um, so I'm not as competitive. I know people who, who do it full time and it's, it's, it's almost like life or death. They got to find stuff every day that takes the fun out of it. But like you said, uh, I used to have that mentality too. I'm like, Oh, this, this is a great piece. Um, it has a stain in it, but I don't want to leave it. I don't want someone else to get it. (laughs) So I'm going to buy it. And then I probably just redonated it, which is so stupid. <laughs> but you got to grab it when you see it. You have to. Yeah. So but. we're a touring musician for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we were just wondering, what what, uh, what was your band called? Uh, the band was called The World We Knew. We were like a metalcore-ish band. Not like too, too heavy, but heavy enough. Um yeah, I did that for about I would say touring for about three and a half, maybe four years. Oh yeah. What what time period? Um our our busiest time period as a band was probably two thousand seven to about two thousand ten, eleven. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I've been I I joined my first band I think when I was thirteen, fourteen, like locally. Um but that was the band that I actually got to tour and stuff like that. We were on a few labels, we put out some albums. Um, on a label called Seventh Dagger, which is uh, my friend Danny, um, which was a straight edge record label back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we got um, actually got picked up by um, Stillborn Records, which is Jamie Josta. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah, we we did we did one album on Stillborn in two thousand nine. Um, That's wild, man. Yeah. So so you guys were like pretty, you know, underground music. I was. You guys were pretty like big uh, in the scene. It's funny because. <sighs> We we were and we weren't. We 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 got to a point where we were getting put on decent sized tours where we knew, okay, there's going to be people here. We didn't have to think twice about it. You know, there'll be people at the show. We don't have to guess. But we were. I always I always say we were we were too metal for like the hardcore fans, and we were too we had too many hardcore elements for the metal guys. So right. we could never really find our spot. The kids that liked us were were really wonderful, and I, I actually am still friends and talk to people that I met through the band to this day, which is great. But we we got on these 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 decent sized tours through our label, which was awesome, and our, our friend Danny used to book us too, which was great. Um, I don't know if we were big, but we were doing well at a point where you know the band was what we did, right? Which was, right. Which was nice. I mean. I would say maybe 16 months, maybe uh, with just doing the band, which it's it's hard to do a band full time, especially like a heavy band. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a fucking Slayer, 
or yes. someone, you know, like Hey yeah. you know. Yeah, it, I mean, like, we, we got to do um, a, a short run with Hey We did like four or five dates together. Oh, that's killer. Yeah, and you would see like, oh, this is a tour. Like this right. is, you know, it was us, um, Crowbar, the Acacia, oh. the Acacia strain. Hey, I was Brie. just going to mention them. Dude, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. I know. And like we rolled up to, to the electric factory in Philly. And I'm like, this is nuts. You know, <laughs> right. it was, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, how old were you? How old were you at the time? Um, when the when the band was its busiest was 2009. So that was what? Math 12, 12, 13 years ago. So mid 20s, mid 20s. Yeah. But at the time, um, I think I have, a, I have a twin brother. He was in the band too. He played guitar, played drums. We were the oh. oldest. We were the oldest, but our guitar player, Tim, I think he was only 18 or 19. Um, so we had some we had some younger guys in the band. So being able to do bigger tours like that and being so young was wonderful. I mean, I grew up, I was 12 years old when I first bought a Hatebreed record. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So what record being was able it? To, uh, satisfaction of course oh of course of course okay. yeah. <laughs> of course it's 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 a monumental album you know absolutely so it was like you know life came full full circle uh which was great but yeah i was in my mid-20s and um it it was a fantastic time i'm still great friends with i mean i hung out with all the guys from the band last week like it's they're still they're wonderful people and it's great to keep in touch um one of the guys in the band, my friend Tim, he's actually in a band now. I don't know if you guys know um, Fit for an Autopsy. They're on Nuclear Blast. They're they're Damn. massive now. They just they just did a Lamb of God tour. Like it's awesome. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's still there's still heavy heavy tours that do very well, but it's it's hard to it's hard to get to that point. Oh, absolutely, man. As, yeah. as someone that spent many many times with you know nine people packed in the conversion van with gear, <laughs> it's like oh, okay, God. yeah. We we did our first tour. It was I think it was fifty, our first time doing the entire country. I think it was fifty fifty four days or fifty five. We didn't have a van. We borrowed our singer's mom's two door Ford Explorer, <laughs> wow. and put a tra- and put a trailer on it. And we had a guitar player at the time who was like six two. Yeah. So we had no. It was just I I think back and like I don't even know how we survived. Like it was right. just unbelievable. Yeah. It's like you contrast that with like the hate free tour, and you're just like, what on earth? I know. I mean, we 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 did a tour with um with that band, Despised Icon. I, I don't know if you guys yeah. know that band. Mm-hmm. And um and our friends band at the time, this band called Winds of Plague, and that was, I mean, Winds of Plague was like at their peak at that time. So these it was like massive venues. This, this these guys are on buses. It's like this is. I mean, this is wild. Like it's just. The, the difference between the opening band and the, and the, and the headliner is like night and day. It's, uh, it's oh, amazing. totally. totally. <laughs> so yeah. nuts. It was a really great time. So it, we, we have to ask, because we've seen him a few times as we were lurking your Instagram, is the, <laughs> is the bearded dude that's taking selfies your twin? Um, oh, like way back in the day before? Yeah, my, yeah. like a, a while my... ago. Before my feed was just pictures of my outfits. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. We're two minutes apart. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Because yeah. Connor and I were like, "This is this Shane?" And then yeah. there's like, there's a picture from I don't know a, a year or two ago maybe where he's wearing like a bike hat turned up and you're you know yourself and we were like, "No, no, no, no. that's not Shane." 
But yeah, yeah, that's that's my, yeah, that's my brother. Uh, that's Ronnie. awesome. Yeah, we were we we did the band together, which was great because we got to travel together. Um, yeah, like I said, we're two minutes apart. Uh, I'm lucky that he knew how to play guitar. I knew how to play drums, so I was like, this yeah. is, let's join a band together. <laughs> Yeah. Um, did you yeah. did you guys jam like when you were little kids? Um funny honestly, not that much. He didn't really join a band until that band the world we knew. I had been in bands locally before that without him. Um we sometimes would play together at home here and there, but we didn't really start playing together till the band. Um because he didn't really start playing a lot until we joined. Because the world we knew was a local band that had all different members besides our singer. And when 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 our singer Frank wanted to start touring, all the other guys were like, "Oh, I can't." So Frank right. was like, "Well, I want to tour." So honestly, this is years ago. It doesn't matter now. Frank was like, "You're all out of the band essentially, and I'm going to bring all new guys in because I want to tour." So we all kind of him and I joined the band at the same time, and then we that's when we started playing together way more. Got Obviously, it. every day, <laughs> every day. Yeah, that's him. So, did you thrift while you were on tour? Were those no. two different two different eras of your life? Dude, I didn't have money. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> right. we don't know. We don't know. And I guess there's no space to keep. You're not keeping a polo no. coat somewhere. No, I, I, you know, it's funny. Again, it was so. Our, our our margin, so to speak, were like razor thin. It was, mm-hmm. we got to put gas in the van. We got to eat. Um, luckily enough to the point, you know, I played drums. So I had a lot of moving parts in terms of gear. So if I had like a kick pedal break or I had my drum thrown break one time mid song. Oh, God. Uh, you know, so like I had stuff breaking. So like the band would buy, buy replacement gear. Thank goodness. So in terms of money to spend on stuff not band related, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. So we would always play this place in Michigan. I forget the town down the block from a thrift. I remember it distinctively. And I think back on it now, I'm like, man, imagine the stuff I could have found if I had, if I was doing it when we were in the band, but I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have money. Yeah. Any, any cent I had would go back into gear or um, getting merchandise printed Um fixing our vehicle fixing our trailer <laughs> that's all that's all i cared about back then it was like a laser focused on the band yeah it's being in a touring band where literally like mm-hmm. oh we got we got 100 bucks to play last night and we have an eight hour drive how are we paying for gas dude the hundred dollar guarantees that's yeah <laughs> yeah 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 uh, we uh one of my old bands played a show uh i don't remember where it was but they you know they we had like a two hundred dollar guarantee or something. I think it was in Arizona, mm-hmm. and literally we rolled up and they were asking for donations at the door. They weren't even charging. Oh no! Yeah. They call- and- oh no! <laughs> no, and, and like twenty people came, and so it was like us and two other bands, mm-hmm. and uh, just those situations, man. Unless you've been in it, you don't understand. No, no, no. It's <laughs> we. The the door deal was always like oh here we go a door deal, they didn't want to they didn't want to guarantee you money so it was like well, you know uh, I know at least a hundred kids are gonna show up don't worry about it, and we'll split the door you know x amount per x amount and it was like wait seventeen kids showed up they each right. paid ten dollars, yeah uh, it's like do you roll the dice and at you know just drop that show and have a two day drive or yeah. do you play that show. And just hope 
for the best. Dude, we had we had a a few times, um, not a ton, thank goodness, but a few times where we would get to a venue and it was just the show wasn't happening. Uh, yeah. The the people who say it was I don't know like a bar, and they were like, oh, uh, we don't know anything about it. Right. The promoter never showed up, and we'd just be stuck there. We actually, again, no names named, nothing. We actually went to uh, a kid who was who booked us, I think, in Philadelphia, somewhere in Pennsylvania. We actually went to his house and knocked on the door, and we were like, can we have our money? <laughs> right. And his roommate was like, well, he's at school. We went to his school, and we waited outside, and we're like, you need to pay us. Because we need, we, we, we're not like those types of people, but we – we were like you. You told us we were playing the show, and you just didn't show up. Right, right. And it was it was a tour package, like four bands. Oh, good God! And you didn't even come to the venue. The show didn't happen, and you just weren't there. Right. And we so we got our guarantee, and the next day the other bands were like, "Did you get ours?" And we're like, "No." <laughs> like, no. <laughs> we spent all day trying to find this guy to get our money, and right. No. And the kid probably had like you know your guarantee in his bank account, and that was it. Yeah, it sounds so bad now, but it's like. It's just it like you you know that it was just it was so cutthroat. You, if it was a hundred bucks, like it was life or death sometimes. Totally, totally. It's what a wild time. <laughs> so on on that note, um, I think our the last thing we had on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so personally, I have noticed um, a some sort of connection. I I can't put a name on it, but mm-hmm. between like you know the the people that came from a subculture and are now really into clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there, in your experience, is some connection between kind of like thrifting and punk rock and then like counterculture as a whole? Because um, it kind of sounds like that's the world you came from. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I said, I grew up, you know, completely obsessed with with music. And when I found uh, the local scene and then I branched out from that, Again, I would see these bands wearing, you know, clothes that I would later find out, oh, that's like a, you know, and they got that at a thrift store. Right, so right. I wanted to do that. I wanted to go find these clothes based on, based on this music video I saw or this live, you know, someone videotaped it on their old, like, you know, I had like a VHS tape of some band playing a VFW. I'm like, oh, those, those jeans are cool. Where'd they get those? Right. Nine times out of 10, it was, it was thrifted. Um, so it was a huge connection. It's a huge connection. That's awesome. Yeah. Which, and it, yeah. it kind of seems like you keep that that same vibe too, like even to modern day. You know, yeah. you're like you said, everything you wear is pretty much secondhand. So Yeah, it's very rare when it's not. I have to really love something and or it has to be something that you know, you see a piece and you're like, I can't it sounds dramatic, but like I can't sleep, I gotta get it. Right. Um but most of the time, yeah, it's just it's 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 ninety-nine percent of my stuff is all vintage secondhand. Um, and yeah, it definitely stems from that. I mean, I don't know if I'm sure you guys are familiar with, um, wind sleepers, um, right. yeah, Brian. Brian, who, who, when we first, when I first went to his store back when he had a store in Brooklyn, like we realized, oh, we were in the same room a lot. Like I would see his old band all the time. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Cause yeah. he's, he's not like, I think he's a couple of years older than you and I are. I think he, I don't want to, I think he just turned 40. I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes, but we we realized like oh shoot we we know a lot of the same people and I, right. and when he said his band name I'm like oh I've seen your band, so that's a great example someone who makes their living in vintage came from 
uh, this this underground music scene. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. which is yeah, like you said, it's just it's just like a it all goes together. All the subculture stuff. All maybe it's like a punk thing too. Like oh, I'm you know I don't want to wear what you're wearing. I want to go find something rare right. or different. I'm not so, shopping at JC Penny. Like exactly, I rather put a little effort in and find something really unique. Um, and it's all related. And not to not to return to this thing we talked about at the beginning, like the mm-hmm. nonverbal communication. But I do think if you think of a hardcore show, right, you think of a mm-hmm. punk show, it's loud. You're not yeah. talking. And so the way that you have to communicate is your clothing. And that- so it was odd for me seeing these guys who just like would beat the shit out of each other <laughs> at the shows, like, really giving a shit about the like tidiness of their sneakers (laughs) that's a great point well i mean i think i think about back when i was doing the band i was in and we would be you know taking i don't know like a stupid little promo photo and be like oh i have to i have to wear a a a friend's band's t-shirt so people know that i like this band you know you gotta like you said you're not speaking you're not there's music playing at a show if you wear the cool shirt if you wear the cool shoes that's how you can communicate with people. Like, whoa, that guy likes that banner. That guy likes that brand. That's cool. So you immediately know a little bit about the person just by what they're wearing, which is really interesting. And this, it's the same thing with the stuff I like now. You know, if I'm out and I see like someone wearing, is that like a, is that a Shetland sweater? Like I, I do it all the time. Like that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, like what are those shoes? You know, I, I do it all just instinctively do it. Same thing with watches. I'm like, what? watches that you know right it's the same thing and you know you don't even know these people you just see somebody yeah it's all about the observation mm-hmm. if you're into mm-hmm. something you know you you pick up on it no matter what mm-hmm. all the time well shane dude it's been awesome having you on the show um this is great yeah dude we uh it was a fun conversation and um i'm glad we got to do it finally long oh, time totally. coming totally. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we want to give you a chance to kind of shout out yourself, uh, the market, whatever you want to. Sure. Um, I'm just ironically, I've never made like a, a, an official uh, any official social media for like my vintage stuff. But I'm just Shane Joseph with the under the underscore uh, on Instagram. Uh, I just post pictures of stuff I wear. I post um, thrift finds in my stories. And Alfargo's is just Alfargo's Marketplace on Instagram, you know. Everything on there in terms of the next sale, photos from the previous sales, it's all on there. Um, my eBay is in my is in my IG uh, bio, so people can find it there if they want to find some cool stuff. And if anyone's listening, and if I post something in my stories you like, you can always message me on there if you want to pick something up. I'm always down for that. Oh yeah, that's me. That's me in a in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening to Apocalypse Duds. I'm Matt Smith. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> See, Thank here you we go. Right, right, right. I'm Matt Connor Fowler. Matt is at Rebels Rogues. We thank you all for listening, for all of your help, for listening to my nagging. Um, <laughs> and we hope you will join us next time on apocalypse duds oh and you can email us no one has ever emailed us apocalypse duds at gmail.com there you go awesome so that's it fellas um dude that was solid 
Thanks, guys. I was I didn't want to go on too much, but I didn't want to leave anything out. So no, 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 man. Like we, yeah, that that was a nice conversation, and that was good. I think it flowed well, and it did. You know, I definitely heard pods where I'm like, where, where, where are they going? <laughs> Not you guys, other pods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's also funny, like, like I asked you in the, you know, in the uh, text thread, like if you'd seen Foundation. That's it's just hilarious that that's a thing that happens. So dude, it's yeah. I mean, were you okay? Were you in the did you join the band at a certain point? Did you like were you in the band from the start? Um, I I was so I was in a band called Overdose um, mm-hmm. before, and well before and concurrently, and then um, one of the original guitarists uh, Foundation broke, okay. uh, and I joined in. I think I think Edge Day two thousand seven was my first show with them. Did you guys ever play at those Edge Fests? Uh, we played. We played one in Haverhill, Mass, in 2007, and we also like recorded the first, um, the first like EP that, or mm-hmm. seven inch that we put out that that same week. Oh wow! And, um, and I mean, we toured with Have Heart and mm-hmm. uh, Title Fight and Forfeit from Syracuse a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, we we probably been in the same room at some point in time. Well, that's what I was saying before about you know the band I was in. We were we were two. Like the metal guys were like, ah, they're not metal enough in the hardcore. Right, right. Like, they're too metal. So we didn't really ever find our place. Yeah, it's weird, man. And like, you know, coming from like the early two thousands when, like you said, or like we were talking about, everybody kind of played together. Yes. You know, yeah. it's it's funny that 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 kind of broke up, but I think it's kind of come back to that now from what I put together. Oh, it definitely has. I see local shows like posted on Instagram sometimes. I'm like, wow, these bands are mixed. Like, it's yeah, cool. it's like an indie rock band, and you know, a an electronic band, a metal band, and a hardcore band together. And you're like, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's because kids now are sort of looking back when we were coming up and like, oh, that was a cool time. Right, totally. Let's, totally, let's, let's make our own, which is I've cool. been listening to a lot of Archangel this year, so I, there you I go. have also been going back to that. Oh, yeah, dude. I I try to listen to new music, but which I, I do enough of, but I definitely go back to stuff from like 20 plus years ago. Oh, totally. It's great. I guess we have become old, though. I mean, I feel like that is a thing that old people do. Yeah. Well, I tried, yeah. <laughs> uh, I tried to listen to a band called Soulblind yesterday. They just put out like a, a new record, and it's very yeah. like helmet alt rocky. Mm-hmm. But I just hate the fucking vocals. That is um, my friend Tom, who's in Straight from the Path. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah. That they're on. They're on his label. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, like, yeah, I, there's a local band. It might there. be something that I need to listen to a little bit more, but I was just like, I can't, like, the the more high-pitched vocals with mm-hmm. the super heavy, you know, riffing, I was just like, I yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's straight up just, you know, you would see them on uh, 120 Minutes back in, like, next Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, uh, very quicksandish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I I've been trying to listen to more like modern music lately. Just sometimes it's hard. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I I have I still have friends that are doing bands, um, and I try to listen to their stuff. But for the most part, I just it just comes in waves. Like some days I'm just I want to listen to just like just heavy stuff. Totally. Some days I want to listen to like you know Newfound Glory. So it's like, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's always it just depends on the day. I mean, um, satisfaction. I think last Friday was like the 25th anniversary. I'm like 25 years ago. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. Still so good. Still so relevant. Still holds up. Buried alive. Uh, oh my god. World. Like. Yep. Front to back banger. I love album. Buried Alive. I don't like Terror, which is See, funny. See, I, I like Terror up to a point, but true. They, you know, like the first couple of records, and then one with the underdogs is kind of like meh. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Scott Scott Vogel is Scott Vogel. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard. Imagine being like, like I just mentioned, Tom, uh, straight from the path. They were they've been a band almost twenty years now. Right. They were a band that my band when I was eighteen, we would play shows all the time. And they yeah. were a completely different band. They were like a Dillinger sort of like all over the place, crazy, like mathy band. Right. Now they're and more yeah. than like Marauder band, right? Uh, actually, Stray. Stray is, pr- I mean, Stray gets a lot of crap for being just like a, like a discount Rage Against the Machine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe you're <laughs> um, thinking of somebody else. Maybe. But it's just, I mean, to be a band for that long and to still be doing it like as your job is unbelievable. Right. Yeah. And not I, being, you know, Lamb of God or something. Yeah, or or like converge, like my buddy Nate. Yeah. I'm, I'm friends with Nate Newton. Um, oh, nice! It's, it's crazy to see like they've literally been a band for almost forty years at this point. I I, I know. I remember buying that. They put out that huge like career spanning DVD, and I watched that thing like every day. Right. And there was footage in there from like '93. I'm like, they were a band in '93. I was <laughs> yeah, in third grade. It's crazy. <laughs> I was in third grade. <laughs> like, yep. It's unbelievable. But you're right; they still do it, and they don't even have to. They don't have to tour full time, which is the coolest thing. No, Nate's in like three other bands. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. God. All right, Connor. Sorry, we. You know me and talking about music. Me too. No, no, no. I mean, it's like I will just say this, which I I don't know. Like, I was really interested in heavy music. We can mm-hmm. call it. And like now, I only listen to rap music. I just like got tired of yelling white people. <laughs> that's i i get that because again which is, I, a, is an oversimplification i can acknowledge but like not that much of an oversimplification that's no, not you're right right i get that i mean i was saying my brother i had to i had to watch my niece last week because he went to see he went to see the menzingers oh nice uh, and i was like man i just i just have no desire to see live music like yeah I just every day but i don't want to go see it <laughs> i don't i yeah. would see it every day for years when i was touring yeah, I feel like that a lot too. Yeah, it's just like I was... hey, I'll just put on a record and yes, you know, yeah. just jam out in my you know, in my car or something. Yeah, put the there's a big on. there's a big trapped under ice show which maybe has already happened, but I guess they're like having a Baltimore show, which is like a big deal. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but I think tickets for it are like a million dollars at this point. I'm right. sure. I'm sure. God, we used we used to play the auto bar all the time. Oh, oh man, that's like bar. that's like yeah, that's like right near my house. I go there all the yeah. time. I yeah. should have fallen down the stairs there many times. <laughs> we, God, we, the, that stage was a nightmare. I can imagine everything I, about it is a nightmare. That's not a place where like uh, many many people would ask, "How exactly did five hundred people die inside <laughs> the fire?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of my favorite venues were like that though. So, oh, me too. Yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a, was a wild time, man. It was, it was. I was with, I was, like I said, I was with the, I was with the guys I was in the band with last week, and two of them still tour. One of them's in a band. One of them just tour manages, and they were like, "Dude, it's so different now. It's oh, so much. It's so much more organized. Right? There's right. really no like, 
there's really no like D market tours anymore. It's either you're on a huge tour or you're on like a smaller huge tour. Right, right. There's none. There's none of those like you like you and I did. There's none of those tours happening anymore. Yeah, th- there's no a tour three touring bands playing a house show. No, anymore. no, no. And I think it's, it's honestly gr- it makes me God sound bless cool. America. I think it's I think it's social media. Like if you're a band now, you have an Instagram and you have a hundred thousand followers or, or or whatever. You know, you can you can get a pretty decent following just by your just by your social media. Oh, totally, man. Totally. You know, like it's just so different now. This I would never want to tour though. I can't think about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but oh man, what a world. What a crazy time. True. True. Well, I don't regret it. I just wouldn't do it now. Yeah. <laughs> it. It's good experience, man. Yeah. Well, now you now you have an adult brain. That too. Like I said on the like I said when we were on the doing the pod before, I was laser. All I cared about was the band. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. No, what would know. you recommend? What should I check out? Uh, in terms of like heavy music? No, your band. Are you oh, on my the band. internet? Uh, actually, yeah. Our singer, I think about a year ago, he actually went through all the loopholes and he got everything uh, cleared and he put it on Apple Music. Um, uh, it's not on Spotify? I think it is. Let me check. Okay. The only I only did um, two... I only recorded the drums for two records because after I left the band... Actually, me, my brother, and our bass player all left at the same time. So they put out a record after I was in the band. But I'll send you guys a link to the Spotify... For the record that I'm the one record we did with Stillborn that was like I guess our quote unquote biggest. I'll send you guys a link to that. Awesome. Um and that's me on the drums. Yeah, I'll send it, I'll send it in the text in a second. Fuck yeah. Um keep in mind it's it was a long time ago. Um Dude, I feel you. It, it's not bad by any means. It was we were I mean, we just wanted to be Black Dahlia Murder, honestly. That's what we right. wanted to do. Yeah. So you'll definitely hear those influences. Black Dolly with like Unearth breakdowns. That's what we wanted to do. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, which hey, is we, still fun. we were all there at one point or another. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know how to even qualify what I was listening to, like <laughs> through the eyes of the dead, Jabra yeah. Cowboy. Like the more, the more oh, yeah. that it was, the yeah. better that it was. God, we played before we were a touring band, and we were a local band. We were allowed, not allowed. We were asked to be the local band the first time job for a cowboy played long island oh, it was a man. it was a vfw 600 people 600 <laughs> that's insane their dr- their drummer was 16 at the time that's and crazy. they were the big that was 2006 or 7 when metalcore like we called it myspace metal right yeah was the biggest thing on the planet through the eyes of the dead as blood runs black job suicide silence all those bands were massive yeah massive. That was kind of before the um the like uh resurgence of like hardcore and I feel like more like thrashy kind of metal, like municipal yep. waste and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so That's- yeah, that it's so funny. Like, you know, as we get older you can kind of track the timeline of things and like yes. <laughs> just talking about this is so funny to me. I know. I I, th- I, I like that I- shit though. Like a bass drop. Like I like a breakdown that is absurd. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I still, still to this day, I'm like, I catch myself listening to like absurdly heavy stuff. I'm like, I still like this, honestly. It just makes you feel a certain type of way. It's very much like because people would always be so surprised at my 
attire, you know, like I wore a tie to the shows that I was going to. I wore a tweed jacket to the shows that I was going to. (laughs) And like people were like, what in the fuck are you like? Because I'm a redhead already. (laughs) So I already stand out way more than I would like. And it's just like knit tie at the job for a cowboy show. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, crowd kill that guy. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's why I stayed out because I'm little and I I don't like pain. You know what's funny? I always I always when I think about this stuff, I think to myself, you look at me now, it's like, oh, that guy was in like a metal band. That's weird. But if I wasn't playing the show, I probably wouldn't have been there. Right. Like I didn't dislike the music. I just disliked um the the local scene back then was very clicky. You know stuff like that. Yeah, so I if that I, shit. I would play load out, and half the time I would just go home. I just wanted to. I just wanted to play my drums. I didn't want to be at the show. <laughs> so to this day, if if they were like, "Oh, do you want to play this show?" and you get to leave, you don't have to break down your kit. You just get to leave. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can make an exception once or twice, <laughs> as exactly. long as it's the easiest thing on the planet for exactly. me. Exactly. Actually, the band I was in, 2019. Uh, Frank, our singer, he actually got a few guys together and he played uh, a quote unquote reunion show with with different guys. And he was like, hey, do you want to jump on the drums and play a song at the show? And I was like, OK, three minutes. I get to play the drums in front of people and then I just get to leave. And it was great. Right. <laughs> well, not my drum kit. Beat the shit out of it and then go home. <laughs> so it's great. I do you still play? Do you still play drums? Um, I have my... My hi-hats, my kick, and my snare set up, and I mess around a bit. I haven't played in front of people uh, since I played that one song at that show like three years ago now. Not really, honestly. I mean, I can No still judgment play. or shame here. Yeah. Like, I, don't I, don't, I used to play guitar for like 12 hours a day, and I don't yeah. play at all anymore. I have one yeah. hanging on my wall in my office. Yeah, I have it. Like, I still have it in me. Like, you know, I would still – I would if – not that I don't want to. It's just, I don't know. I did it so much for so long that I just don't feel the need to. Like, I still love music. I listen to it every day. I can still play, like, physically. I just, I don't know. I think I did it for so long. I got so burnt out on it. And towards the end of the band, there was a lot of, you know, we weren't getting along and stuff like that. Maybe there's, like, negative connotations with it. But so the short answer is, Yes and no. Here and there. Yeah. I'll jump I'll jump on the, the kick and the snare and the hat for like twenty minutes. But then the dogs go crazy and I stop. So Right. Yeah. I'd like to get an electronic and an e kit, but it's just they're expensive. Yeah, dude. Music gear, I've been I've been obsessively searching for like a new guitar and amp mm-hmm. setup for the past like month. It's gone mm-hmm. actually more obsessively for a month, but for the past like six months total. Yeah. It's gone through the roof for pretty much anything yeah it's i towards the end i was getting uh the the sam ash that's closest to where i live they had a lot of secondhand stuff so i was able to get like sim i would you know i had no i obviously could play the drums but i had like no technique i would just smash it i cracked cymbals all the time stuff like that so i was able to get stuff cheap secondhand but i mean i remember buying a zildjian like when i had money from like i don't know a birthday or christmas I bought a Zildjian, um, like an A custom. It was like three fifty, and this was like two thousand four. Right. 
you know, so now, like you said, now, I think quarantine, though, people who, you know, a couple of years ago, quarantine, I think people were picking up instruments or learning instruments, mm-hmm. so I, you know, staying home, like, I'm going to teach myself piano. So it's like the prices went up. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's kind of, it's it, hog shit, though. That is not. Uh, well, I mean, know. even it, pretty much oh, anything that is kind of collectible mm-hmm. skyrocketed. They're but, just, they're increasing the prices because they're fucking greedy. Well, that too. That's, but, I, I mean, even I'm not, I'm not even talking about new instruments. I'm talking about like the secondhand market mostly, because mm-hmm. like, which also can... has people in control of the prices. Yeah. Sure, well, I mean, there. it's it's like looking at eBay for something and seeing you know seeing a jacket listed for three thousand dollars, and then you look at sold listings and like none of these have sold for yep. nine months. So it's like. People, you know, people thinking like, oh, I, I, I've got some gold, man. I'll throw it on reverb. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nah, that it, it sits there for nine months and then I, nobody buys it. I found a coat over the summer, um, like a, like a Abercrombie and Fitch from, I think, like the late 20s, early 30s. Oh, God. Yeah. And I put it in my stories and I got a DM from someone and he said, um, where did you find this? You know, can you send, can you give me details on it? I sent them pictures. I sent them everything I could on the measurements, everything. He goes, I showed it to a friend who's into this stuff. He said, um, you know, if it was in a little, you know, cause it's, it's kind of rough. It's old. Right. And he's like, if it was in better shape, he would pay like 2,500 for it. He's like, don't sell it for less than two grand. I'm like, I still have it. No one's buying it for two grand. Yeah. Like, like you said, it's, it's, you could, think something is worth something but it's just worth what someone wants to pay for it yep you know it's fantastic it's so cool when i'm like i'm not getting my hopes up yeah yeah you know i paid eight dollars for it so you know may- maybe with your i don't necessarily want to sell it price somebody will pull the trigger but yeah i have it up for i think i have it up for two grand or best offer i actually yeah. got a few offers on it but it was like i paid eight dollars for it so if i get 500 bucks for it i'll take it yeah totally, man, totally. but he's like don't take less than two thousand or twenty five hundred don't do it there's collectors yeah. in Japan that would buy it. I'm like, where are they? Where right, are they? Right, right. They, they had to be also. Yeah, it's just like so silly. It's all subjective. 100%. Most of it is. Most things are. All right. Well, I think I'm going to have to eat some dinner. Yeah. I might just leave. I might just leave this in. <laughs> Can you think of anything that we said that was like not good? Um, in the past 20 minutes? No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like we kept everything like we weren't like talking shit about anyone. We no, no, no. I was actually trying to be, I'm not that type of person. I was trying to be mindful of like, don't say something bad about a band or a yes, brand. <laughs> yeah, you seem you seem like that type of person. It's so good. This could be yeah. our, our first with a with a bonus conversation episode. Someone's gonna be like, "Job for a cowboy?" What? <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, I loved "Job for a Cowboy." I like dude, that, sing that every dude, song. That Doom EP was like, yeah. Everybody had, everybody was listening to that. It did Literally not matter. Never heard this band in my life. It was amazing. It was amazing. And somebody did that. They dubbed over a SpongeBob SquarePants, yep. <laughs> which was like even better than the album it was like so this was like early youtube days i think the main thing about that band was that they were all in like high school i think they were teenagers yeah and they were really they were really young it was the first 
like extreme, like extreme metal bands who really blow up because of the internet. Honestly, to right. me at least. Yeah, Bego- be- like by going viral, and I think, yes, like you that, said, it was uh, it was the MySpace music days. Yes, like, and yeah. then you know they were on Metal Blade, and ironically, yeah. they put out records on Metal Blade that are like real, real good, like like death metal records. They're good. Yeah, um, the stuff they put out is is actually very good. But yeah, they were they were like the pioneers of that of that that world. That was the issue with us, the band I was in. That we were not, we were not that, we were not that heavy, right? So kids were like, "Oh no, it's not the same thing." I just wanted, as the the adjective that they were using at the time, brutal. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I wanted was the brutal death metal. Oh, I don't know why. I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> I still listen to some stuff like that, but yeah, you're right. At that time, it was you know the the imagery with like the merchandise and the album art. And like the song titles, it was like the chase Glover. through the woods by a rapist, like <laughs> exactly. all that. Kind of shit. Just the, like... the, the shirts with like you know heads on spikes, and it's like you know. I had a cha- <laughs> yeah, I had a chainsaw belt buckle. <laughs> yeah, God, can't say I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it was ironic. It was a. I mean, the the yeah. whole the whole of it was like this obsession with like hyper violence, mm-hmm. and for me with my like really long curly red hair it's like well clearly this is a fucking joke i have a chainsaw belt buckle and hoodie well that goes back to what i was saying when we were recording i was saying that you know feeling comfortable in clothing when i was in that world and i would wear uh i would wear a band t-shirt with like blood on it i'm like this is not me you know this isn't me but i just like this band a lot or maybe i'm friends with this band and they gave me a shirt i'm gonna wear it but you know me, you know I'm not the guy who wears this stuff. But it's just what you did back then, you know. Yeah. It, it's I wasn't wearing a Shetland sweater. I was wearing a, you know, like a death metal band T-shirt. <laughs> right. But I, it wasn't what I wanted to wear. But I just liked the music. Yeah, yeah. There just weren't really other choices, and it's like you no. sort of wanted to fit in. You would see. It's funny. I keep talking about this stuff, but. I would see merchandise for bands sort of shift as the years went on. It went from like really big prints and, and like you said, images of like gore and like violence to more of like a, um, like a, co- there was a band, I forget the name, but a lot of their merch was like collegiate. It looked like a, like a, like a crest. And it was like a lot more uh, accessible, I guess you would say. Um, so things shifted in like the 2010s, 2011. Right. But that like 2006 to 2010 window, it was like, the wild west when it came to like heavy music and and it was just so nuts it's crazy crazy cool times though i'm glad they happened same here same yeah all right dudes yes this is very fun whatever all right well i'm gonna see what it looks like to edit this thing and um (laughs) sorry (laughs) no 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 no. i'm not gonna fuck with it at all i don't think like i think that it was more like i'm gonna cut this off of the end and i'm gonna cut off the beginning as well but i think that it was for the most part fine cool yeah it was good all right well thanks again yeah thanks take care bye yeah